This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. We're underway. Week 9 of the National Football League has had the lid lifted. It's the Eagles all over the Texans last night on Amazon Prime. And by the way, in case you didn't know, if you don't get Amazon Prime, you can record the rebroadcast almost immediately after its conclusion on NFL Network. Little tip for you. So program that. If you're a DirecTV customer exclusively, and Channel 212 on my system, as Harry Tynowitz once said, like they're different systems on DirecTV. Make sure you record the Thursday night or you can watch it Friday morning or whenever your little heart desires, uh, as I did last night, because I was I was whacked. I was absolutely crazy tired, so I watched a couple of series, and then uh, as I get up customarily around 4 o'clock, watch the rebroadcast, miss all the commercials, and uh, and just watch it in about an hour and 10 minutes. It's a beautiful thing. I did last night, however, engage in some amazing NFL Network pregame coverage. Oh, my goodness. Next time, I will take a Dramamine if I watch NFL Net before Thursday night football because that crew is absolutely over-caffeinated from start to finish. And individually, they all are personalities I like. I'll get to that a little bit later on because Adam Delavitt, who is Baby Capone, as I like to refer to him at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network, has suggested I get in the um, in the Wayback Machine a little bit more often than I have and do some stuff that is media-related. We used to do a segment when Adam was my PD program director to you at ESPN 1000 between 01 and 06-ish before he was elevated to assistant program director. He was there for the heyday, of course. He made it what had happened, what it was, uh, just like Justin Craig made Mike and Mike. Adam did that for us, and then he was elevated. But he used to really like it when the three of us would would talk media. He thinks people who sit on their asses and watch football all weekend and roll their eyes and groan with their buddies would like to hear more critiques of that. So a little bit more on that today. And uh, and maybe throughout the rest of this football season, we're only at the halfway point, and there are some teams that uh, haven't gotten it going yet, and I'm still finding my way as a podcaster, so in upcoming episodes, I will do a little bit more when it comes to media critique. You have my word on that. Today, for the first time, I'm going to jump in the mailbag and respond to four or five questions that you have thrown at me on social media, and hopefully you will continue to do that and we can make it more interactive in that regard. And we will get to the Bears and their date against the Miami Dolphins. Actually, I will get to it. You 
no one else is here with me. I'm in the office all by my lonesome, as always is the case. I do have my Roger Bossard bobblehead doll with me, but uh, it takes nine guys to hold his hose. All right, so let's get to the Eagles. 29-17 winners over uh, over the Texans last night at NRG Stadium. And rather than give you the skinny on MVP candidate Jalen Hurts right out of the chute or A.J. Brown, who has made as much of a splash as any player in the NFC who changed uniforms, any any newcomer on an NFC team offensively, I think Brown has had the biggest splash. Overall, it's Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins in the AFC going from the Chiefs to Miami, who has had the biggest impact on his team. But in the NFC, uh, I would submit to you, A.J. Brown has been a huge difference maker for Philadelphia, now 8-0. and But rather than go with those household names, as often has been my desire over the years, let me start you with one of the big uglies. John, I'm sorry, Javon Hargrave. I never will, will call you John again, Javon. Javon Hargrave, number 97 out of South Carolina State, had himself a night. He plays defensive tackle for the Eagles, shirt number 97 in midnight green when the Eagles are at home in their midnight green. A third-round pick of the Steelers back in 2016. This dude is the player of the game. He gets my game ball. He had six solo tackles and three sacks of Texans quarterback Davis Mills. Man, he was all over the field last night. You don't see that from defensive tackles very often. They don't rack up gaudy numbers statistically. They don't get a lot of solos. But he he led his team last night with six solos. There were three Eagles with seven tackles overall. And with the three sacks, three TFLs, he is my player of the game. And, and by a mile. Your table is ready. Javon, don't call me John Hargrave. Uh, 60-year man out of SC State. Got to give those SC State guys love when they uh, when they deserve it. Jalen Hurts has made a believer out of me. Not that uh, not that he you know needed that. Not that the Eagles or Eagles Nation, fly birds fly, needed that from me. But he's a young man still at just 24 and has yet to play on the biggest stages in his profession. And uh, the collar will tighten as this season grows older. But as of as of now, it's, it's tough for me to pick anybody else as a second-place finisher to Bills quarterback Josh Allen for league MVP. Hertz last night was 21 out of 27, no interceptions, 243 yards, two touchdowns. He did lose a fumble, sacked four times. He was a little bit off kilter early on. I don't know exactly what being on kilter means, but off kilter, you know what I'm saying. He wasn't very sharp early in the game. But he got a lot better, and the Eagles got their running game going. Miles Sanders, who had one run last night with a stiff arm, got the right the palm of his right hand right underneath the shoulder pads of a would-be tackler. This poor defensive back for uh, Houston got knocked into Friday morning as uh, as he had a big game. Miles Sanders was terrific last night. He's a grinder, 17 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Perhaps we will see him 
uh, on the highlights on Good Morning Football come Tuesday morning when Kyle Branch shouts his way through eight minutes of angry runs. And um, why morning people feel the need to shout is is a mystery to me, and it always will be. I, I know maybe they've been up for three or four hours, full of coffee, ready to work, ready to run through walls, very well prepped, but that doesn't mean the audience is ready to watch somebody buzz around a studio at 180 miles an hour. Now, I know there are some of you who probably like that, you know, in morning radio history in Chicago, certainly Jonathan Brandmeier, his career was was unrivaled in his era for morning drive. But uh, um, it's just, you know, especially when you have multiple voices yelling at you, as you often do on those studio shows. But I'm getting off topic. That's not why I sat down to talk about Eagles and Texans. Jalen Hurts said after the game, I've been 8-0 before. And we didn't win the national championship. And he's referencing his first year at Alabama in, uh, I think, 2016. He says, we didn't win the national championship. We've got to take it day by day. We haven't accomplished anything yet. Well done, young Jalen. Lots of maturity for a 24-year-old guy. And Nick Sirianni is doing a nice job staying out of the way uh, with this young team, young in many key positions, but veteran uh, in many others. I didn't think Philadelphia's defense played particularly solid last night, but I, 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 don't, I don't dismiss the reality that Houston has some players who are NFL caliber as well offensively. Uh, more on Hurts quickly. His running back, Miles Sanders, said of him after the game, he says this of his quarterback, he's cool. Steady, calm, collective. (laughs) Uh, I didn't know people could be collective, but I'm going to spend idle moments over the weekend thinking about how one becomes collective. Uh, I always thought when you said that cliche the correct way, uh, cool, calm, and collected, that was iffy. Um, let me collect my emotions is the implication there, but, uh, not in the case of, uh, number 26 in, uh, in Eagles colors, he's cool, steady, calm, and collective Sanders supporting his quarterback Brown with the big night, big AJ only caught four balls, 59 yards. One of them, a touchdown Dallas Goddard, the tight end number 88 had a big game for Philly, eight catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown. Davis Mills, the Texans quarterback, is a battler. I don't suspect he ever will be the reason, and it's early in his career still to rush to this kind of a judgment, but it doesn't look to me like he's he's the kind of guy you will win because of consistently, but I think you can win with him, and they've given him a good running game. Lovey Smith gets his Texans off the bus running, as he used to say when he was in Chicago, Damian Pierce, the rookie, was effective last night again. 27 carries for 139 yards. Um, Mills threw two picks. Uh, those three sacks, courtesy of Javon Hargrave, my my player of the game, my game ball winner. So the Texans do a nice job moving the ball, but shared time of possession, I think only about a 90-second differential. Both teams ran it very well last night and the Philadelphia Eagles for the first time in the history of the franchise are eight. No Chuck Bednarik's Eagles never did it. Ron Jaworski, 
of the late 70s Eagles, Jaws and Harold Carmichael, Never Were Eight No, Randall Cunningham and Reggie White, those Eagles were Never Eight No, McNabb and Owens, Never Eight No, and Doug Peterson, Super Bowl champs, while they started very strong with Carson Wentz, um, leading for MVP candidate, leading candidate to win the MVP that year of 17 uh, until the injury. They were not 8-0. So congratulations to the Eagles. Big night in Philadelphia. And uh, nobody was having more fun than Mike Garofolo, who was uh, in Houston wearing his Phillies cap, trying to make speech with a with an impaired vocal cord, it sounded like to me. Having had a paralyzed vocal cord, it, it, it rang way too familiar when they were in pregame last night. But I'll get to the critics at Extra Large for Adam in just a little bit. Um, one last thing on the Philadelphia Eagles. We're wondering, can they run the table? No, they can't. Uh, well, they can. If, if, they, if, they, if they win the remainder of their games, they'd be unbeaten. I don't think they will. They've got Washington coming to Philadelphia a week from Monday uh, to punctuate week 10. Then they're at Indianapolis, home with the Packers in week 12. Uh, first Sunday in December, home with Tennessee. And then it gets it gets dicey. They have both dates remaining with the Giants. They've yet to play their NFC East rival Giants this season. They're at MetLife in week uh, 14. And then they conclude the year at home with the Giants in between week 15 at Chicago, week 16, Christmas Eve at Dallas, and week 17, home with New Orleans. Dallas and or the Giants will preclude the Eagles a perfect season, and the 72 Dolphins can continue to pop champagne corks. Um. I'll get to your your questions, several questions, in just a moment. I suppose we can blame College Game Day on ESPN for the overly shouty pregame, halftime, and postgame festivities that happen, whether you're watching college or pro football. It seems inherent to the craft. They're not happiest uh, until they have people shouting at us, and it works on a college campus. The enthusiasm of college students behind the set holding up signs, that's a a, a good tradition. That's a tradition worth keeping, and that's where it should have ended, but it's not the case, and often the broadcast quality is compromised because the crowd noise, intentional or unintentional, stadium PA doing sound checks, etc., It's difficult for the broadcasters to hear each other, and that increases the amount of time stepping on each other. NFL's pregame show last night was one of the worst things I've seen and or heard in quite some time, and I consume a fair amount of sports media. Colleen Wolf, the host, is a Philly girl who has grown into the job. I think she's pretty good at what she does, but... There's something about the presence of M. Rob, Michael Robinson, who I also like as in he's a former Seahawks fullback, anything but a household name, but he he does his homework and he doesn't just kiss the Seahawks asses. He and Maurice Jones drew were on one side of our screen 
Colleen Wolf, the host, is in the middle. And to the right, live in Houston, we have Mike Garofolo, a Philly native, wearing his Phillies cap. I'm, I'm good with that. It's not the sport they're covering. That's fine. Let everyone know you're for the Phillies. What was it, game five last night? I don't even know who won. There was a no-hitter the other night, right? And uh, just a second one. I knew Don Larson threw the first. Was this a combined no-hitter? I still haven't looked. I better do that before I get with Vandy today for our terrestrial show. He'll be mad that I'm anti-baseball. Even though I'm not anti, I'm just not in on it. Anyway, Garofolo's wearing the Phillies hat, and he's with Steve Smith, who I thought during his career with the Panthers, not so much with the Ravens after, but when he was a Panther, Pound for pound, there wasn't a tougher guy in the NFL than Steve Smith. He would just as soon run you over than run around you. He was a, a relentless blocker, a real tough dude at 5'9 and about 205. Not a big guy, but built like a brick shit house, and he would bring it all day. And he does as a broadcaster, too. And he's, he's with Garofolo at NRG Stadium. The other pair, M-Rob and MJD and Colleen Wolf, and they played this stupid game the producers thought would be good, apparently, where um, the two sets of dudes would uh, would predict what the other pair would say. Who's your MVP? Uh, I think he's going to say uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, they did. You win. You get a point for that. It was really bad. And then it makes it worse because they're shouting at each other the whole time. There's three or four voices going at once. Who says, you know, which? where's the executive at who says, I want you guys to keep this coming? I can't hear a word any of you are saying because you're all talking at once. America loves that. Keep serving that up every every Thursday night. Where's the coaching at with these broadcasters? Why in the world aren't they aren't they more involved with the product? I know the ratings will be good e- anyway, and I just try to put it on for background. I I don't need to have a ton of pregame. It's not the highlight of my freaking day, but I put it on to get the NFL vibe on on Sunday. And my favorite NFL crew includes Michael Irvin, who was one of my favorite in-studio guests the last 10 years I did Terrestrial in Chicago. He's the shoutiest guy on that panel, and it often affects the, the quality of the broadcast. I don't need the shouting. You don't You don't get your point across anymore by yelling at me. Be emphatic with tone. Pause for dramatic effect if you must. Use air quotes. Be animated. Gesticulate. But stop the freaking shouting, all of you. Please. Thank you. Bears and Dolphins and some other games worth playing at Bet Rivers over the weekend in just a couple of minutes. But as I mentioned, I have yet to get interactive with you here on the podcast, and that changes right now. You can get to me on Twitter at Danny Mac Show. You can follow me on Facebook, and I do not have a block policy unless it's earned, and I think I've deployed the block maybe once on Twitter in 10-plus years and maybe twice on Facebook in a dozen-plus years. I think I joined Facebook right before the Blackhawks won their first cup in Philly, uh, the first of the last three. 
The first cup was in 1934. Nobody is alive to tell me about that one. But I have read about it. I could tell you all about it, Doug Bentley, if you wanted me to. But uh, that's how you can get to me. Send me a message. And um, the best ones, the ones I think the most people will want to hear my reply to, are the ones I've chosen. And I'll start you today with Bob in Desplaines. Why have you been so sour on Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon? Seems to me they're always around the ball. Those are the first-year Bears DBs who have had way too much asked of them, Bob. I, I have said that several times. If you've missed it, that's my bad. I haven't emphasized it enough. But it is very difficult to shine week after week when you're playing corner or slot corner in the NFL. And with the early season injuries to Jalen Johnson and others, these guys were forced to play way more snaps than they really should have been asked to play. I think they probably projected Brisker, the second-round pick from Penn State, as a starter. I don't think they felt the same way about Gordon. And yes, they are around the ball a lot, Bob, but that's not always a good thing because the front seven, barring the now-departed Roquan Smith, has been bad. It's 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 not been fun up front for the Bears. The You miss the Akeem Hickses of the world and even a Bilal Nichols. A Bilal Nichols, not the A. You miss those guys. And that's often why you have, ooh, Mike Bump, you have, uh, you have guys running all over the field and your secondary winds up being forced to make a lot of stops. They've been rookied as much as anything. Gordon early in the season was picked on um, in what might have been Aaron Rodgers' only real good game all year. Uh, he was picked on in week two. But uh, they've been okay. They've been a mixed bag. Uh, asked to do way too much at this point in their careers. Uh, but point noted, and thank you for reaching out to me. Number two, your constant negativity about the White Sox is a tired act. If you don't like what they do, just shut up and flap your gums, as you say, about your precious NFL White Sox, Tony. Tony, thank you for listening to the podcast. You're right. I have been nothing but sour on uh, on the White Sox, as have been 99% of the fan base. But you're probably put off by the fact that I don't pay attention to baseball anymore. And I'll just, I'll be quick about this because I like to do mostly football on the Danny Mac podcast. That's what Bet Rivers wants me to do. I'm a football guy, right? I, I got full on baseball when the White Sox won it in 05. My kids were still playing baseball at the time. And uh, it was a father and son thing for me that didn't survive my, my bond with my sons, with baseball being um, the diet, if you will, that didn't survive the test of time. Fishing has, uh, watching movies has with, uh, with my son, Jack, the youngest, uh, 27 rock and roll drummer, classic rock that that has survived, but baseball didn't. And frankly, the everyday grind of it was, you know, I had enough of it. I, I did sports talk for almost all of, what, 35 years on a daily basis. And when you're doing it all year, it's not your favorite game every night, every season, except the strike season of 94 when it ended in early August. It, uh, 
it, it became, it became more work than it was pleasure. And I I've traded baseball for other forms of entertainment. Even if it means watching movies, I've seen a thousand times. Um, White Sox hired a new manager this week. I hope you're enjoying him. Um, I can't remember his name. I'd not heard it before. He was from Kansas City, right? Bench coach or something there. John Martin is in Geneva, and he says this. It looks like Buffalo and Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. Kansas City maybe, but it's clear to me Buffalo and Philly are almost too easy. Too easy to pick. I assume is what he means. Anybody strike you capable of beating either the Bills or Eagles? You mentioned Kansas City, John. Um, That's one of them. I was really, really off on the uh, Ravens earlier in the year. I pronounced them DOA after week three or week three or week four. Maybe that was too quick. I don't think Lamar Jackson's video game magic is sustainable year after year. I think eventually he's going to, he's going to be less effective. He hasn't had the huge injury yet, but you know, and that's, that's going to happen. It has historically for every big splash in his first five years quarterback because of his legs, the Dante Culpeppers, the RG threes of the world. It's not a long life for running quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is a good case in point. Not off the chart terrible, but certainly not the player he was coming out of Wisconsin when the Seahawks were in their Super Bowl uh, window and got to two consecutively. Somebody we're not thinking of as a Super Bowl team is going to be heard from. Not saying they're going to get there and upend Buffalo or Philly. Maybe, you know, when people are starting to think Dallas because of the way their defense has played and maybe the Cooper Rush experience and playing, calling a more guarded game offensively, Mike McCarthy maybe has stumbled upon, let's get back to being Dallas Cowboys and let's get, all right, Zeke ain't what he used to be. Let's get Tony Pollard featured as the number one and let's make Dak's life easier by only asking him to throw 25 to 30 times a game. Let's be a running team first. Their defense certainly is kick-ass enough. Even though they did give up a fair number of points against the Great Bears offense uh, recently. So I'm I'm not much of a believer in the Rams at this point. And I was one of those guys who said, man, where's the respect going before the season started to the defending conference champions? Why uh, Why aren't the Rams and Bengals getting more respect on the odds boards. Well, you wagerers make the line what it is. The more you jump on something, that changes the odds. You know how it works. And uh, there wasn't much love for either. Cooper Cup is, by the way, likely to play this week, which uh, which gives the Rams a fighting chance. Um, all right, here's uh, here's the fourth question. I've heard at least six of your new podcasts. I like it, um, but I miss the way you interact with other show members. Thought that was something you did very well over the years. I heard you discuss on an upcoming show you would spill your guts on the score firing you. Did I miss it? If not, when can I expect it? That's from Mike the Mailman. 
I don't know if this is Mikey G, the mailman in my hometown of Highland, Indiana. He didn't specify, but I assume he's not the, uh, that, that guy isn't the only mailman with a name, Mike. Um, I haven't done that. And I've, I've wanted to, because it has been now two years removed and a recent, uh, opportunity came up when Troy Aikman made his comment about the NFL competition committee taking off skirts. Of, of players going forward and not calling every little ticky-tack roughing the passer. A Dallas radio station actually called me to guest on a Sunday night to talk about how how I was fired and whether that was, was right years ago and whether I noticed there being a trend toward increased tolerance of things that are borderline misogyny. And my, my feeling is, no, there really isn't much of that. And the reason is is very simple. You have a you have a percentage of people out there who are serving as the nation's morality police when it comes to words selected. Now, words can be hurtful. I don't I don't dismiss that. But at the same time, they're words. You want to really make a difference in society? Go after fathers who are who are not paying child support payments. Go after people who are selling drugs on playgrounds. You can go after people for their words. It seems to give them purpose in life to to provide that moral compass. And they they they're winning. They're they're winning. They're getting people canceled or semi canceled. And uh, I'm among them. But I'm I'm very happy to have this format. It agrees with me. Lastly, this one is from Fast Freddy in Frankfurt. I won't try to say that fast five times consecutively. Don't always agree with you, Mac, but I respect your opinions on football and classic rock. We're the same age. I'm torn on everything Ryan Poles did this week. Building through the draft is the way to go, but how can these young players develop with absolutely no veteran leadership, especially defensively, with guys like Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith gone. What do you think? You're right. Um, those play you now look at Jalen Johnson as as a veteran on that defense, the third year man out of Utah, the cornerback who anointed himself among the best corners in the league before this season started. You have to look for him to him for for leadership. I, I think those trades were in the Bears' best interest. There was acrimony that was apparently not capable of being resolved between Roquan Smith and the Bears. When he agreed to finish his contract and play uh, for $9 million this year, he said, I'd remember it. This leaves a bad taste in my mind. He didn't have an agent, remember. And that was dopey because he had to hear everything you don't want to hear from your employer. That's that's why you hire an agent, so he can buffer that and put you in a calm place and keep you from reacting emotionally and filter the language a little bit, sanitize it. You know, I mean, I can see Ryan Paul. You don't cause fumbles. You've got one forced fumble in your career. You, that's not, you know, agent gets on board. He can find a way to soften that language. And Roquan Smith, did not want to be in a Bears uniform anymore. So you move him to the Ravens and you accrue draft picks. You have to hit on some of those. You can't just collect the shitload of them and not not win some of them. Whether he's capable of doing that, we don't know yet. It's it's too early to judge his for you. Judge his first draft, this year's rookies, 
in three years. When they have two more years under their belts, that's when you can put a grade on Ryan Pohl's first draft class of 2022. You can't do it now. And you don't even do it next year. Give a guy three years to develop. If he, if he, if the class sucks, then say it sucks. But that's when you slap a grade on it. Not right now. The Bears are f- uh, four and a half point underdogs. The number went down. It was five yesterday. The Bears are now four and a half point underdogs against the Dolphins. I guess you wagers out there uh, are aware of the Bears having the top five wide receiver. Yeah, Chase Claypool, who recently, and not Clay Chasepool, as I called him yesterday or two days ago, Chase Claypool suggested he's a top five receiver in the NFL. I went to check on his early NFL numbers, first year 2020. He's not been top five in anything, not once. Uh, He's out of the top 10 in most of the more meaningful categories. I don't know what the F he's talking about. It's like Jalen Johnson on the defensive side. I'm a top five DB and everyone in the league knows that. Well, boy, our Bears practice is going to be amazing. I don't know how those guys who aren't those two players are going to concentrate given the show these two top five guys will put on playing against one another. Claypool, top of the right side, and here's uh, here's Jalen Johnson in coverage. Everybody stop what you're doing. Watch these two artists. They are both among the top five at what they do in the league. Ay, ay, ay. It's, it's inherent to the position to be delusional if you're a wide receiver. This has been that way for a long time, and I, I've had it explained to me. It was Michael Irvin, the aforementioned um, NFL Network host. Uh, about the how few chances you get in a game to to earn your money to show your team and show the world that you are the shit uh, you don't get many chances you average you know seven eight catches a game that's it running back's going to touch the ball 15 times even in this era and congratulations to buffalo for finally getting a running back not the guy i would have gone for but better than what you got I'm getting the former Indianapolis Colt, Raheem Hines. Or Naheem Hines. I always screw that up. Good old number 21. He can't have it there, though. Jordan Poyer wears that number in Buffalo Blue. Ha ha. So uh, uh, where the F was I? <laughs> Talking about wide receivers and uh, the egos, it's just, uh, it doesn't end. And it's going to take Chase Claypool a little while to acclimate himself to uh, to the Bears' offense. It, it won't be immediate, gang. Now, you might see a Dolphins' immediate impact. Bradley Chubb, their new pass rusher, who's, uh, who's hit or miss. He's, uh, he's not been consistent early in his NFL career. Still very young. Oh, very young. But uh, the Dolphins do, in fact, possess a top-five wide receiver, Chase, uh, in fact, they have two of them. Tyreek Hill has been the biggest offseason move so far. It, it, it has turned out great for the Dolphins. He's leading the league in many categories, and Jalen Waddle's top five. They, they, they're leading the league in yardage. They're leading the league in explosives, 40 or more. They're leading the league in first downs or third down conversion. They, they're doing so many things right, 
And with the Bears not having much of a pass rush, with them being shell-shocked by the Roquan Smith departure this week, I think the Dolphins are such an easy decision this week. Circle it for me. Miami minus four and a half. I'm going big. And this is a situation where I have to make a move. I feel so good about that one. And I know it's at Soldier Field, right? Won't be bare weather, though. (laughs) It'd be windy. But uh, I'm not worried. Um, I'm going to have to hook that with something else. I'm going to have to parlay up even though I don't do a ton of them. That's that's one that screams, hit me up with something else. Uh, I'd like to say it's the Washington Commanders, but I'd be exaggerating. The Commanders are a sentimental favorite of mine getting three and a half this weekend at home against the Vikings because I've been friends with, friendly with their head coach, I guess I could say friends, with Ron Rivera since the late 80s and his mother Dolores passed away earlier this week. Monday night in California, Ron had flown back to be with his mom. And I sent him a condolences text earlier in the week. And he replied with uh, thank you. And he noted that his mother um, was a very tough woman who was always about loving family and friends first and foremost. And I, I believe that to be true. And I, I believe Ron to be a man of, of moral integrity and a, a credit to his parents. And, uh, if I ever learned there was something incredibly scandalous with uh, with Rivera in the way he handles his business, I would be disappointed and and lose faith in the human race even more than I already have because he seems to me like a really, really solid, well-grounded dude, always has, always been available and charitable, not just to me, to everybody. So good luck to the commanders, three-and-a-half-point dogs against the Vikings this week. Is this the week when uh, the Packers finally bust loose and kick somebody in the teeth like they were supposed to do? They're among the favorites to win the NFC uh, right behind the Buccaneers. Doesn't look like either one of them is going to be there in February at this point. The Packers are laying three and a half at the Lions. This is such bullshit. This question that was posed on Good Morning Football today. Have the Packers done Aaron Rodgers a great disservice by not getting him a number one wide receiver since Devontae Adams left? How about have they done the Packers? Have they done themselves? Why is Aaron Rodgers the only person getting ownership of this? Now, that's not on Rodgers. That's that's on the goof who thinks of this question and throws it up in a graphic. And kudos to former New York Giant Sean O'Hara, who's filling in for Kyle Brandt. He's in Europe and getting ready to shout at me on Tuesday morning for angry runs. He said, "What do you, you know?" He was he was he could tell he was put off by the question as well, and it forces us to go into the wayback machine and pull out things Aaron Rodgers has said and done that make him one of the biggest douchebags in the NFL today. And it's not his fault because he didn't write the freaking question. Some producer wrote it. Have the Packers done Aaron Rodgers a great disservice? Piss on Aaron Rodgers. This is about winning football games. This is about the team. It's about the Packers fans. It's not about Aaron Rodgers, who's had some pretty good goddamn talent, in case you haven't noticed. So they got Devontae Adams outside of the first round. They have found some other really good players. The first time they had Randall Cobb, he was a really good player. They've had good tight ends. 
They've had better running backs the last half of Rodgers' career. Quit crying on his behalf, media. It's about the Packers getting better. It's not about the disservice they're doing to their quarterback, who, by the way, represents 22% of their salary cap. You wonder why you can't go get people. All right. It's true. You did have the great Brandon Cooks available. Like he's going to change anything. Brandon Cooks. Bears fans, consolation prize. Your team beat the Packers to chase Claypool. They also were in the bidding. But he's a bear. You got a top five wide receiver. Lots of luck. The Buccaneers are three-point favorites over the Rams this weekend. The total in the game is 42 and a half. Even though Cup is ready, Cooper Cup is ready to play, uh, practiced a little bit on Thursday, I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I, I, I know it's foolish. I, I know Brady is has lost his teammates, but he, he's still Tom freaking Brady. And um, I'm going to take Tampa. I, I don't think I will hook them to my Dolphins bet because that, as I have indicated to you, is, is a gimme for me. But um, I'm going to take Tampa. And uh, I'll probably take the Bills to cover the 11 and a half. They're laying at the Jets. God, I hate laying points on the road. I violated one of my Ten Commandments just last night. Had to have action. Put 100 bucks on the 14-point favorite Philadelphia Eagles. And they won by 12. And it's not enough. Uh, you get the same math? Yeah. Um, why not lay double digits on the road again this weekend? After all, it's the Buffalo Bills, the best team in football. Josh Allen, the MVP and the Bills going to MetLife Stadium to take on Robert Sala and the New York Jets. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm going to do this again Monday morning. How about that regularity and getting off of these, uh, these off days and uh, my apologies. It hasn't dropped consistently, but we're giving you two a week and uh, do my best to notify you on social media when it has dropped. For those of you who have not subscribed, if you want to subscribe, just just click in and subscribe. It's very, very easy to do that. You can do it whatever, wherever you get your podcast and tell your friends about it if you, if you don't mind. I'd appreciate that. So back Monday with um, setback sweetener, as we used to say, in terrestrial, whenever the Bears would lose. If they'd win on Sunday, Monday would be a victory. Chicken day. After a loss, you need a little setback sweetener. So stop by Butterfingers and get yourself some of those double fudge brownies over the weekend. Thank you for listening. And um, I'll be back Monday, as I've said three times already. My executive producer is the Highland Trojan, Sam Michael. Adam Delavitt is the big boss man at Bet Rivers. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. I'm Danny Mack. Tail lights for now.